0: so glad to be here with you. I have to ask a quick question real quick. Were those the first steps? First and not oh my gosh. <laughs> so we're over here watching and we're like, oh my gosh, he's walking. <laughs> so what a blessing, like, <laughs> way to go, bud, way to go. I'm Reverend Melissa Kime Hall, and I am so glad to be here with you today in this place for us to worship God and to draw near to our Savior and to one another. And this morning, before we get started, I want to mention that yesterday, 10 individuals lost their lives. 11 individuals and two were injured because of a senseless killing at a supermarket in Buffalo, New York. People who simply went to the grocery store and were not able to come home to their families. And so for, before we start this morning, I would like us just to take a minute. Take a minute of silence to pray for those families. And then I will close us in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, we come before you and our hearts cry out to you. Lord, we pray today for each son and daughter and their families who was lost yesterday. We pray that you will wrap your arms around those families. And at the same time, Lord, we pray that we will fill the presence of your Holy Spirit here with us today today that we will feel it pouring out on us and calling us to bigger and greater things, to do a new thing. Come and be with us here in this space. In your name we pray. Amen. Our scripture today comes from Acts from Acts 11, verses 1 through 18. It's a little bit of a long passage, but we need to hear the whole story. Now, the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also... That is not... Oh, yeah, it is. Okay, never mind. I am so sorry. (laughs) moment where I was like, wait, that's not where I'm starting. Yes, it is. Now, the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. They said, why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? And then Peter began to explain it to them step by step. Saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance, I saw a vision. And there was something like a large sheet coming down from heaven, being lowered by its four corners, and it came close to me. And as I looked at it closely, I saw four-footed animals, beasts of prey, reptiles, and birds of the air. And I also heard a voice saying to me, get up, Peter. Kill and eat. But I replied, By no means, Lord, for I've nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. And this happened three times. And then everything was pulled up to heaven. And at that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were. And the Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction between them and us. And these six brothers who are here with me also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen this angel standing in his house and saying, send to Joppa and bring Simon who is called Peter and he will give you a message by which you and your entire household will be saved. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it had as us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? And when they heard this, they were silenced and they praised God saying, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. The word of the Lord. Have you ever had a moment in your life that felt like a turning point? One of those times when you felt it like deep, deep down in your bones that the choice you were about to make had life-changing implications. A time when you felt an urgency to move from what has been to what might be. Maybe you find yourself at a turning point now. It's that time of year, as Shauna likes to call it, mason It's that time of year when our kids, or the kids in our lives, they may be moving from elementary to middle school, or middle school to high school. Or maybe it's that time of year when your young adult is graduating from high school, or even from college. And then there's those wedding photos and those engagement photos that seem to populate the social media feed constantly. And then as a culture, we're also moving to a new time. We're in a turning point. We're moving from a pandemic to post-pandemic. I love that word, post-pandemic. It's a great word. And the world, it's changed because of our willingness to adapt over the past couple of years. I know that there have been a lot of people that have had received new jobs, that they've changed the way they live. Maybe they've made big moves. And then there's even in our denomination, we're coming close to a turning point. We're coming close to a turning point about what it means to have full inclusion Of people who identify as LGBTQ. Turning points can be hard, and choosing to go places that don't fit with what we know, that is challenging. When confronted with the choice of what to do, we may want to hold the road and endure and be like, we're not going to change. Or we might choose the polar opposite, and we might want to blow everything up and change it all immediately. Yesterday, I was looking for a house with my husband, and his first remark was like, we'll just get rid of everything and get all new stuff when we get here. And I was like, hold up here. We will not be doing that. (laughs) And thankfully, those aren't the only choices, those two extremes. Because we can also choose like Peter— We can choose, like Peter, to embrace a moment that can lead to a turning point in our lives. And these moments, they are pivotal, they're meaningful, and they're God-breathed. Now, there is a story from popular culture that just happened recently from current events that I think is kind of a good illustration of this, though it's not really a spiritual story. But it is the story of Rich Strike in the Kentucky Derby last weekend. I don't know how many of you have watched the Kentucky Derby, but if you didn't see it the first time, you may have seen a highlight reel. Rich Strike is the horse that won the race. Rich Strike is also the horse that wasn't supposed to be in the race. He qualified 21st in a 20-horse field. Almost there, but not quite. But on the Friday before the race, a matter of fact, about 30 seconds before the deadline to enter the race, Ethereal Road, another horse, was scratched from the field. And so the team that surrounds Rich Strike, his owners and trainers and all those, they got a phone call. And they had about 30 seconds to make a decision. Now, know this. This horse is on a losing streak. They were about to enter the horse in another race at another track. This was a big moment for them. And they considered their options quickly, very quickly. And they entered the derby. And with 80 to 1 odds out of the gate, Rich Strike started the race in 17th position. And two minutes later, maybe two and a half, he led the pack across the finish line. He won the race. He and his team of humans had pulled off one of the greatest upsets of all time because they embraced an opportunity that was set before them. And it led to a turning point and it forever changed them. The story helps us see how that willingness to do something new can transform. And in our scripture today, Peter shares in his story how the willingness to listen to God, the openness to see God-sized opportunities and the, follow, and the faiths to follow can change everything. Now, if you looked in your Bible and you looked back to chapter 10, you would find something very interesting in Acts. You would actually find this story again. It's a story that's told two times. And that's because Luke wants us to really understand it. So he's kind of like a parent who's trying to make sure their kids really understand what they're saying. He says everything in chapter 10. And then in chapter 11, he gives a highlight reel of everything that he said in chapter 10. So I want to fill in a couple of details real quick for you. First, the man who sent for Peter, his name is Cornelius, and he's a centurion, which is the highest rank you can have as an enlisted person in the Roman army. He's also a Gentile who has close ties to Judaism, but he's not Jewish, but he did give to God's people, and he prayed constantly. And we know he had this vision of an angel telling him that God has seen his devotion and wants him to send for Peter and that Peter's going to share a message with his household. And Cornelius, he doesn't question any of this, but he obeys God and sends for Peter. Now, while his men are traveling, we've got Peter over here in Joppa and he is waiting to go eat a meal with the host family. But while he's waiting, he goes up on the rooftop to pray. And it's here that he has that vision of that sheet full of unclean animals. And God tells him to kill and eat. And Peter says something like this. I am paraphrasing. No, God. No. Since I was a kid, I have not broken any of the dietary laws. And I am not going to start now. He told God no. Peter is about to unlearn a childhood lesson. Because God responds, again, a paraphrase, if I say it's okay, then really, it's okay. And Peter, he doesn't get it at all. (laughs) Until then, the Gentiles show up at his house, and he then hears God's Spirit telling him, like, hey, they came for you, you need to go with them. And so the next day, he and his friends and these men, they set out for Caesarea. And by now, Peter has made some sense of what God was trying to show him. He realizes it's not about the food. It's not about the food, but instead it's about the people. He begins to understand that connection between the vision and the visitors. And God shows him that no one, no one is beyond the saving grace of God. And later when he comes home, Peter is questioned by the leaders back at church headquarters who want to know why he ate with the Gentiles. They're not concerned about what food he ate. They want to know why he ate with those people. And he tells his story and they listen and are amazed and they praise God for extending grace and including the Gentiles The willingness to listen is the first step we will ever take in ever changing anything, because we see here in this story, it was the willingness that listen, to listen that ultimately changes the direction of the church for all time. If these people had not listened, if they had not listened to what God was saying, the church today might look very different because most of us would be the Gentiles. But in all of this, it wasn't the people ever that set the rules. It was God that set the agenda. It was God that did something new. It was God that cut across the lines and the divisions so that Christ's church could grow. And this is the church that we're a part of today. So the challenge is that listening though is not something that always comes to us naturally. We like Peter are often tempted to say, "No, God, this this is what we do. This is what we do. This is how it's always been done. This is what we like." God, that sounds scary. But choosing to listen to God, it may take us to places we never thought we would go. Places where we think we're not ready to go. But if we look through Scripture, we see that we come from a long, long line of people who are not ready to go and who went anyway. Being open to and listening to where God is sending us can change the trajectory of lives all around us. But it's stepping through those God-sized doors that takes faith. And faith is the direction that our feet begin to move when we sense the Holy Spirit nudging us to go and discover something new. It also requires us to step into the unknown with perhaps nothing there to guide us other than the Holy Spirit, who we can't see. And since we really like things like GPSs and maps and things that actually show us what path to take, that can feel a little unsettling. But then Peter and Cornelius, they didn't know how any of this was going to play out. I'm sure in their minds, there were infinite possibilities of what could happen next. And they followed God and did what they were told. They both saw the God-sized doors in front of them, and they trusted as they stepped through them. And likewise, those leaders back in Judea who heard what Peter had done, when they heard Peter tell the story, their hearts were changed. They saw the door that God had set before them and they saw that God had broke down some barrier. And they silenced their questions and they stepped through the door and they began to praise God. But let's be honest, stepping through a god-sized door that can be hard because we really like human-sized doors. We use them frequently. We can control them, we understand them, we know where they go. They lead to familiar places, and going to unfamiliar places is sometimes unsettling because we like what we're comfortable with. Peter knew what he could and could not eat, and he liked it that way. The rules were clear, and yet when he saw that God was trying to show him something new, he went to explore what it meant. And Cornelius and his household, they stepped through that door of faith and were the first Gentiles to receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter, if he had not gone to meet the people who he wouldn't have probably met any otherwise and joined the work that God was doing there, he might not have ever experienced or witnessed God's second Pentecost. And the leaders, they recognized that God was creating a new community based on human plans not based on human plans and design. They recognized in others the same spirit that was at work in their lives. A few months ago, I was talking with a friend about my upcoming move. Now this was prior to the announcement being public And so quite honestly, I was feeling very anxious about the whole thing. Like you talk about walking around with like knots in your stomach all the time because you know something that nobody else knows. Yeah, that was me. And I was telling her about just kind of everything I was feeling. And I said, you know, staying put really seems like a good option to me. I mean, I like it here. And I also committed when I became an ordained United Methodist pastor that I would go where sent. That's kind of hard. My family is comfortable here, they have good friends here who have loved them through very hard times. We have relationships with people, and we love being a part of this church. And for me, there are things that have started while I was here that have been one of the greatest joys of my life to be a part of. And it's hard to let go. The next season is unknown. It's unknown for me, and it's unknown for you. We don't know what it will hold. And as my friend listened, she was very good and quiet, and then she said these words, you know, how your friends do, they say the words that are supposed to reassure you and make you think everything's okay. And then you go, yeah, okay. And you don't really feel better, but you know, all right. And then she left. And I was like, okay, well, that was that. <laughs> then she came back later. <laughs> And she came back with a gift. Now, I like gifts. Who doesn't like a gift, you know? I like presents. So she comes back with this present, and she hands it to me. And of course, since I like gifts so much, I was very eager to open it. And I opened it, and in the box, I found this tiny doorknob. And I was confused. And I was kind of like, okay, You gave me a doorknob. What does that mean? But then she asked me a question. She asked me if I wanted to receive everything that God had prepared for me or if I wanted to stay comfortable. I'm a pastor, so you know what I said. It was a really good Sunday school answer. I'm going to be honest. But then she went on. She said, the doorknob is to remind you. It's to remind you to listen to God and to see that what God opens, no one can shut. And what God shuts, no one can open. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Now, for the record, these were not like all her words. She's not that wise. They are actually from Revelation 3. But she continued in her conversation. She said, Melissa, you've got a God-sized door before you. But are you willing to trust God with everything that is on both sides of that door and follow where you're led? If so, turn the knob and go through it. It'll be a turning point in your life. Sometimes I wish that God did not give me friends that were so in touch with God's wisdom. But seeing the door and choosing to turn the knob to go where the Holy Spirit is doing a new thing, it is transformative for others as well as for us. Wherever you look in Scripture, you see that we come from a people who have stepped through God-sized doors, and when they did, lives were changed. And it's still true today, and that is such very good news for us. We don't have to create or invent something new. We don't have to take God to any place. We don't have to make decisions on behalf of the divine. We just have to commit to listening, to seeing, and to following. And then we can catch up to where the Holy Spirit is at work in the world. What is God saying? What is God opening and closing? Where is God leading us? We have to start by listening to God and to one another. We have to pray about what we hear and see because the power it rests in the Gospel of Jesus Christ and in the promise of God. It leaps every barrier and it confuses everyone who stands against it. Because God enables ordinary people to do extraordinary things, to be witnesses to the gospel. And we serve an audacious God who has invited us to do that extraordinary work. And that work doesn't depend on us. But it is done in step with the Holy Spirit and with each other, and it is done side by side. And this, without a doubt, can give us hope. So as we close today, I invite you to consider a couple of questions. The first is this, where in your life and how are you sensing the Holy Spirit moving in this season? And the second is, are you willing to accept the invitation to walk through a God-sized door when you see it? As you think about these things this morning as we're closing, I'm going to invite you to come and grab one of these doorknobs that is here on the stage. It doesn't matter where you are on the journey because everything is going to happen in its own time. So maybe you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you today or maybe you're just like, "Eh, I don't know if I feel the Holy Spirit nudging me yet or not, but I'm going to pray about that. But my hope is, is that you're gonna take this knob and that you're gonna put it somewhere where you can put it, where you can see it. And one day you're gonna look at it and you're gonna oh yeah. And you're gonna realize that it is time to step through a God-sized door. That you will remember that God has set the door before you. That God sets the doors before us. And we have to choose only to grab the knob to walk through it, and to embrace the turning point that God is leading us to experience. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Let us pray. Gracious and holy God, we know that you set before us so many doors Lord, we thank you that you care enough to set doors before us. That you care enough to reach beyond any place or time or person that we can imagine to find and bring home the people who you love, each and every precious son and daughter. And Lord, we pray that today we will remember your greatness that you are faithful, that you go with us, that you are ahead of us and that you are walking with us and that we will have the faith, the faith to step through wherever it is that you want us to go and to trust that you're already there working and showing us what to do. In your name we pray, amen.